WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston Radio veteran, Ken Meyer. When you are lucky enough to work in the media as I was, you run into people that are the best at what they do. And they are people that you maybe don't see for many years, but when you renew acquaintances, it's like you never left. Nate Greenberg, former PR director for the Boston Bruins, is one of those people. Nate, I love you dearly, and how are you? Well, Kenny, that, that is an introduction unlike any I've ever had. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I'm doing great, and it's great to hear your voice after many years. Well, it's, it's certainly great to hear yours, and it brings back so many memories of an era that uh, is not around anymore. And it makes you think of people like, besides Bobby Orr, it makes you think of people like Derek Sanderson and Pi McKenzie and Don Marcotte and Freddie Stanfield and broadcasters like Bob Wilson and Fred Cusick. And uh, it's, it's just great to reminisce. But, but tell me a little bit about you. How did you, how did you get to the Bruins? I mean, I assume you're from Massachusetts. I am. I am from uh, a small town on the North Shore, Manchester, Mass. Uh, it's an, actually an interesting story. Uh, while I was at BU, I worked uh, part-time at the old Boston Herald Traveler. The Herald in the morning, the Traveler in the afternoon. And uh, I was there and uh, I I got to to cover mostly college sports, but I filled in on the pros here and there. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. And I thought for sure I was headed for a career in journalism. And much to my surprise, uh, so I graduated from BU in 1971, started work, working full-time for the Boston Herald Traveler. And in the summer of 72, the paper went out of business. Uh, as did the old Channel 5 and the old WHDH radio, which were all part of the Herald Traveler family. Uh, and the we closed up uh, in June of 1972. Was, it was actually a, a, a tragic night in the city of Boston. It was the night of the Hotel Vendome fire. And... We were leaving the Herald at midnight uh, last night, and we looked up in the sky and saw the, the half the city it looked like was on fire. And uh, that was the night, of, and you know, the firemen got killed. It was a, a horrible, horrible night in the city's history. And anyway, that was the that was the end of my, at least temporarily, the end of my journalism career. So for the next year, uh, I worked. I, I did quite a bit of work for the Globe, uh, and uh, and I had a, I worked for the Associated Press. I had all kinds of part-time jobs, and <clears throat> in the course of that year, I met, got to meet uh, Weston Adams, who was the then the president of the Bruins. The Adams family were were the founding fathers of the Bruins, and uh, anyway, uh, I got to meet. A lot of people, and uh, one year into my my what was then my freelance career at the Globe, and I said the AP and 
other other opportunities as well. Uh, one day I got a call from from uh, Weston Adams Jr. who said, "I'd like to chat with you when you have a minute." I said, "Okay." And over I went. And mind you, the Bruins had just won the Stanley Cup, the second in three years in 1972. And uh, uh, over I went. And he said to me, would you have any interest in doing public relations work? And I, I, had, I said, sure. I said, I, you know, I, like, I love the business. I, I was not as enamored with the journalism business as I once was because I saw the paper go out of business and I saw a lot of older guys uh, lose their jobs. And it was not a, the whole experience was, was not good. And I said, you know, maybe I should think about some other line of work, and here was an opportunity. So uh, I met with him and a gentleman named Jack Nicholson, who used to be the Patriots PR man, who had gone to work for uh, the Adams family as like a an assistant. Anyway, we sat down and talked, and you know, I said to to Westy uh, Weston Jr., you know, I I have no experience in PR, but I sure, I sure as hell know what people want and people need. I said, I was in the business for part-time, but in two years full, three years part-time, two, two years full-time. I know what, what I think I know what the business entails. And I said, uh, you know, I sure as heck could be willing to give it a try. He said, well, I, I want to get a young guy. I was 23 years old. I want to get a young guy in. He said, you know, we, we have a, garden PR director who was 75. We have a Bruins PR director who was 65. Um, and and he said, I, I think we need some young blood. So I said, you know, I'd love it. Uh, and as, as, as things, time would have it, uh, I also had two other opportunities in the course of a week. I went a whole year without any full-time opportunities. And all of a sudden I had three of them in one week. But I said, gee, the Bruins, of course, were really, were really the toast of the town in, in 1973. And I said, this, this sounds like a, a fun opportunity. And we sort of agreed that I would take the job for a year. And after one year, we'd sit down and see where we are. Did, did they like me? Did I like them? And we'll see where it goes. And uh, it lasted 34 years. So uh, they were happy with me, I guess, and I was very happy with them. And it it was experience. And, you know, the old line that people say, you know, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And, <laughs> uh, that's that's the way I uh, that's the way I thought of my time with the Bruins. It was uh, it was a wonderful opportunity. Uh, Harry Sendon had just come on board as general manager at the time after. He coached the 70 team, then left for a couple of years, came back as GM, and uh, I I had not met him. So we sat down and he said, uh, are you going to take the job? I said, I, I think I am. I said, do you, do you, you, you think you want me? Do you, he said, yes, let's, let's, let's give it a go, he said. I said, okay. And he turned out to be my boss for those 34 years, which is a rarity in the sports business, as you know. And uh, we're still the best of friends today, uh, even though Harry is retired. And in fact, he just turned 91 years old. 
so uh, uh, you know we turned out to be great friends, and it was a it was an experience that uh, I enjoyed every minute of. Now I I didn't know you were with the Bruins that long. I thought you left after just a couple of years. No, no, no. I started in '73 and left in 2007. Wow. Well, you got to certainly witness some great, <laughs> great stuff. Uh, and and what else is kind of ironic is the year that the Bruins won the Stanley Cup against the Rangers uh, in the '72 season. That's right. Was Bob Wilson's first year back That's after correct. going to going to St. Louis. That's correct. That so, correct. Uh, two monumental and, things. Yes, it was. Uh, it was. It was a great time. They were. You know, you mentioned uh, Bob and and Fred. You know, they they were there for they were there for all my time, and then they retired and guys came in. But they were great. Uh, were great friends. We had we had a wonderful uh, group of media guys. Of course, there was only in those days only a handful of guys. There was you know Wilson on the radio, Fred on the Bruins, and and you know some of the old time guys. The Delio Monahan was was covering for the for the Record American, uh, Tom Fitzgerald for the uh, Globe. Uh, there were a couple of guys from the Herald, uh, but they were, you know, and and you know, we had uh, like Joe Gordon was with the Quincy Patriot Ledger. He he was, but there was only a, especially of traveling guys. There was only a handful of guys today. You know, there's a million quote unquote insiders that, that write there's blogs and there's all kinds of stuff. But back in those days it was it was a handful of guys and, and they were great and uh it, I said it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And you worked with some great hockey players. Yeah. Uh, and of course one of the best was a fellow named Bobby Orr. Correct. Uh, <laughs> uh who wrote a great book by the way. And uh, I'm I'm curious as to some of your thoughts and some of your memories about the big bad Bruins when you talk about Orr, Esposito, and and some of the other gentlemen that I mentioned to you before. Yes, well, they uh, uh, Orr is still one of my closest friends to this very day. Uh, in in uh, I said in in two weeks now they're going to have the hundredth anniversary gala and. Uh, my understanding is I'm going to sit with Mr. Orr. So uh, it, we've been great friends. He's been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friend of mine in of mine uh, for all these years. And uh, said so even when when I left in 2007, and he was gone by then, but still around. We 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 remained in contact. We've remained in friends. I see him usually a couple times a year. And uh, he has been more than gracious to me and my family, and uh, I love him to death. He's 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 everything he's everything you saw on the ice. He is off the ice as well. He is uh, uh, just one of a kind, really. And that whole team, many of whom I'm going to see in in two weeks, because most of the, many of those guys I'm told are coming back for this dinner. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was a different time, Kenny, as you well know. Uh, there, there wasn't, wasn't social media. 
there wasn't there wasn't a lot of media. You know, there was a handful of papers, your radio station, the TV station, and it was uh, it was a close knit group. And and I at uh, 23 years old, they took me in, and and you know, to this day, I, I said I still I still am in touch with some of them, not as obviously as close as I was, but. Uh, uh, you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, I, I talked to Phil, I talked to Jerry Chivas, uh, ah. uh, I talked to Mike Milbury, uh, you know, there was a whole bunch of those guys, a few of them, my, my, my dear friend, Gary Doak is deceased now, but oh. he was a wonderful friend of mine. Um, so many of them was, was so nice in, in, it was, uh, it was a great time. We had, Besides having great success on the ice, we had great fun off the ice as well. Uh, and the stuff we did and the times we shared, uh, I cherish all of their uh, all of the the times I had with them. And I said it it speaks to them that that uh, I said I've been gone now 16 years, um, and uh, we 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 talk. I said I I talk to Orr almost every month, but I. I talked to Chivas once in a while. I talked to Phil once in a while. Still talk to Harry regularly. Um, I, we, we lost my my colleague and longtime friend, Tom Johnson, two, uh, about 10 years ago now. Uh, but these were all, and, and tell, to tell you the kind of friendship it is, you know, you can, I, I said, I can go a month, sometimes two months, without talking to somebody and we'll, 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 you'll get a call or I'll call them and we pick up our conversation right where we left off. It's like we, you know, like we talked to each other yesterday. Uh, it's a great group of guys. We had a lot of fun and uh, I was blessed to be a part of it. Believe me. One of the guys that you introduced me to and I was thrilled to get to know was Don Sherry. Yeah, I loved Don Cherry. And in Bobby Orr's book, he says whenever he needed anybody at a charity event or anything, Don Cherry was always there, oh, and always available. And I'm I'm told he just turned 90, Cherry. And uh, uh, I, in fact, I asked Orr about him and, you know, he's 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 I just doesn't care to travel all that much. But or is trying to entice him to come to the dinner. Now, whether he'll get him is another question, but as you can imagine, or is, can be very persuasive. And yeah. uh, uh, so it wouldn't shock me at all if he shows up, Don. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, my last week on the job, which was first week in June of 2007, among the many calls I got, which was really, it, it, it it shocked me. One of the, the many calls I got that week was from Cherry. You know, as soon as as soon as I picked up the phone and said hello, he said, Nate boy, how you doing? <laughs> and as soon as they said that, I knew exactly who it was. And I said, Don, I could pick that voice out of a crowd of 10 million people. I said, I knew it was him. We had a wonderful chat and, and I appreciated him, uh, him calling me. Uh, as you know, he went on to have a very successful uh, career as a television uh, commentator in Canada, and uh, uh, we, oh God, we had a lot of fun, and uh, it was 
he was great, Jerry, and and uh, certainly I hope he'll come to this dinner because he certainly, you know, was a was a. I believe he coached us for five years. He was uh, he was he was great fun to be around. Great guys, and I I told him I said you know I'm, I'll. I remember about him. Uh, oftentimes, on our you know we would we had take a bus from point A to point B or just to the airport or whatever it was. And and he and row of the bus. And I always, for all my 34 years, always stood in the well of the bus because my back would bother me occasionally. And I prefer to stand rather than sit in those awful bus seats. So I would stand in the well. Uh, and we'd be going, I said, even if it was a 20 minute trip from the arena to the airport, or the next morning from the hotel to the airport. And eventually in the in the course of our ride, Harry and Don would uh, both career minor leaguers, by the way, uh, would would ex exchange stories of different minor league uh, events that they went through. And you know, Cherry would tell and Harry would tell these stories about how when they were playing in the minor leagues, uh, one year, I think this was Cherry, as I believe, he was playing, I believe, in Rochester, New York, and he got some award as unsung player of the year or something like that, and he came out to Center Ice, and they have a gift for him, and he said, you know, I was thinking, gee, maybe, maybe a car, if I'm really lucky, whatever it is. He said they came out, some guy came out, and they had a, a, a basket full of apples that the guy had picked from his farm outside of Rochester. And that was the gift. And of course, he and Jerry are laughing away. They thought this was the greatest thing. And Harry was telling them about, Harry was actually the 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 in the Bruins organization, he was the last player coach. When the, the, the Bruins, when I started the Bruins, well, actually it was the year before I started, it ended. But the Bruins minor, top minor league team was in Oklahoma City. Chivas played there. Sanderson played there. Uh, and Harry was the player coach. Imagine. Now, you know, there were there have been player coaches in other sports, certainly like in basketball. Bill Russell, I think, was a player coach. But, yes, he was. Uh, yep. uh, and and Harry hockey in Oklahoma City. I mean, you would you were crying, you were laughing so hard, right? And they just thought this was the greatest thing. Uh, uh, and I, I said I got an education listening to hockey careers, and uh, uh, that it was so much fun. I tell you, that's funny. The one now, I uh, Cherry wrote a couple of books. Yeah, but in his in his first one, which a story I never forgot, he talked about a gentleman named Eddie Shore. Oh, sure, and how Eddie Shore used to play march music before a hockey game to psych himself up in case there were any fights during the game. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I, I'll tell you, I never forgot that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, I went to a, a wake of, for a friend of mine who was at the American Hockey League office, which in those days was in Springfield, Mass. And who was there but Teddy Shore, Eddie's son, whom I knew also, because we used to Back in my day, we used to play exhibition games in Springfield in the old Eastern States Exposition. 
and they had, they had really was like a barn. It really wasn't more of a, an arena, more of a barn than an arena. But nonetheless, that was the first place that the Springfield, I guess back then they were the Indians, as I recall, uh, played their games. And Eddie Shore owned the team, owned the arena. Uh, he owned everything, Eddie. And the, the first night we were there, we, we had our American League team, the Boston Braves, that were in business for a couple of years, again, in the early 70s when I started. And we were playing in Springfield one night, and it was, it was dimly lit. I mean, it was really, it was, but it was minor league hockey. And, and of course, the place was sold out, not a lot of seats, but packed in every night. The people loved it. I, I believe they're one of the, Springfield is one of the charter members of the American Hockey League, and they've been in business a long, long time. Anyway, with a, and, and Eddie was, as Cherry used to love to say, was, was always quite frugal as well. So, but the, I, I remember him saying that, and literally with one minute to go, the announcer would say, you're one minute left in the game, right? And you would start to see at one side of the building, the lights go out. <laughs> you, you, you could follow it along by eyesight that you, you would roll your eyes, fall, continue rolling your eyes to your left. And one by one, all of the lights would go out. Uh, Eddie would go with one minute left and the lights in, in, in the, it was like one row behind the seats where they had lights and he would start turning out the lights with a minute to go. <laughs> cut back on the electricity. And by the time the game ended, it was in darkness and people had to find their way out of the building, but he didn't care. He was, he was continuing worrying about the, the price of the electricity and he would, by the time the game ended, the building was in darkness. That was, <laughs> that's my favorite Eddie story and, story. and I told his son, Teddy, whom I said I saw probably five years ago now. I told him that story. And he said, oh, yes. He said, you know, dad liked to keep an eye on the expenses. I said, I guess he did. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was dark by the time we left. But, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was, I said, a million stories like that, but that's the one I always remember about Eddie Shaw. I will always remember the epic battles with the Bruins and the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, yeah. And I always remember it because they would have Kate Smith. That's right. Come in and sing God Bless America. You certainly I did. Never Every forgot year. that. Yeah. We, uh, my, my, you see, it was my first year with the team, 1973. Oh, 74. So I'm in my second year, I guess. Anyway, you know, 73 it was because uh, that was, you know, we were we were odds on to win the Stanley Cup. Well, we 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 lost to the Flyers in the 73, 74 season in the finals, and they brought her in live for the finals. Uh, and I mean. You know, she had a booming, booming, booming voice. Uh, and uh, uh, I remember I was walking out from the from the locker room to my seat in the press box, and the we were this was in the bowels of the spectrum where they played at the time. And my God, that voice was booming through the whole building, and the place was crazy. <laughs> and I I I always remembered uh, uh, 
she was a big woman and she had a bigger voice. Oh, she was she was terrific. I mean, it was uh, it was it was genius to get her in to do that. And uh, uh, they also had a hell of a team, of course. Also, not to be denied. Yeah, it was yeah, they a, did. Uh, that was not a that was that was not one of the highlights of my uh, of my time in in with the Bruins. I'll, I'll never forget. I was talking. I was talking to Bob Wilson about that once, and he said he saw a bumper sticker when he was in Philadelphia that he never forgot, and it said, only the Lord saves more than Bernie Perrant. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> or, the, the, or the one that was popular in, in, in my time was uh, uh, Esp uh, let me see. I'm trying to think of what it was. Oh, Jesus saves and Espo scores on the rebound. <laughs> I like that. I yes. like that. Jesus saves and Espo scores on the rebound. Correct. Correct. But they uh, had they had some incredible years. Uh, yeah. I remember they they celebrated the anniversary of what they called the Lunch Pail Gang. Yes. Uh, in the seventies, with again. Guys like Bobby Schmatz, yeah, uh, to name one. Ray, I think Ray Bork. Um, Bork came in '79. Yes. Okay, Carol Vadney, maybe. Vadney, yes. Unfortunately, uh, 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 Vad is is not with us anymore. And uh, uh, who else did you mention originally? Uh, Schmatz. Uh, Schmatz, yeah, he's not with us anymore. Oh but, wow! Yeah. But uh, good guys, good fun. Uh, oh my God! Did they? I'll tell you. Uh, you know, by today's standards, they were making a, a pittance financially. But I guarantee you that when it came to having fun, nobody took a back seat to those guys. <laughs> but I remember November seventh. I think it was nineteen seventy. Yeah, nineteen seventy-five. Tell us about that day. Well, I was, believe me, one thing I realized right then and there, so I was two years into the job, and I realized that uh, Harry Sinden was was something special because he made the trade of Esposito and Vadney to the Rangers for Brad Park, Jean Rattel, and Joe Zanussi. Uh, and when I tell you the, uh, the, the city was on its ear, and you know my my uh, first of all Esposito and Vadney were very good friends of mine. I was crushed that they had left. Uh, and uh, but my favorite story of all. Uh, so Brad Park, of course, who was public enemy number one, at least in the hockey world in Boston, right? Everybody <laughs> hated him. Yep. And here he gets traded to the Bruins, and he came in the next afternoon. At like two o'clock, took a shuttle up from New York, and as you well remember, Guy Manola had a sports talk radio show at WBZ in the afternoon. So BZ being our station, of course, I said, "Would you like to have Park come on for an hour or so?" He said, "Are you kidding? I would love it." So I called Park and said, "Would you mind?" Uh, before we, they were, Harry and he were going out to dinner and, and the coach at the time, uh, Cherry, were going out to dinner. So 
I picked them up at the airport, and we went over to the WBZ Radio Studios on Soldiers Field Road, and I went in, and we sat in the lobby waiting for, for Guy to go to a break, and there was somebody who was going to come out and get us, bring him in. Well, we're sitting in the in the lobby of the of WBZ, and they have the audio of Guy's show on the on the speaker system. They were listening, and when I tell you, of course, that's all they talked about, and people were calling up and absolutely crushing Park, and I mean with some of the nastiest language and personal. Oh my word. They were absolutely, <laughs> and I was afraid. I said, "This guy is going to bolt the studio. I'm going to be stuck here, and they're all going to be mad at me." Because he was really, I mean, it was it was bad stuff. Well, what we didn't know, well, yeah, I didn't know, and he certainly didn't know at the time was they were they had a, a delay, and much of it they had to take off the air because it was. There were swears and curses and you name it from people calling in, right? But yep. we didn't know that it was it was it it all came through in the studio, but not on the air. So I said to the guy, I, I'm I'm thrilled that Brad is he is still here. I said because I thought for sure he was going to bolt the place. People <laughs> were just, and he said, Oh no, that stuff never made the air. And so Brad and I, to this, I, I saw him a couple of years ago. We discussed this very thing. He never forgot it. He said, he said, remember when the guy, he couldn't remember guys now. He said, remember, remember that fellow said, oh, no, that stuff never made the air. And we had a good laugh over it because we thought for sure the stuff was going over the air. And people were just kicking the ever-loving you-know-what's out of them. Oh, my word. It was horrible. So it was, to say it was an unpopular trade would be, uh, a gross understatement, but in 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 Harry's defense and to the to the benefit of the Bruins, I mean it 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 gave the Bruins an extra three four years of of I mean it, you know we were we we were in a couple of Stanley Cup finals unfortunately never won one but uh, it was uh, uh, those guys uh, Park even on one leg was a terrific player a uh, Rattel was a was a fantastic player, and uh, uh, I am one of the very few who got to see Bobby Orr and Brad Park on points on on our power play, which only occurred in ten games because Orr went down uh, ten games into that trade uh, with a with knee problems, of course, which eventually, you know, ended his career. But yeah. I got to see 10 games uh, in uh, uh, to see them together. And I remember thinking to myself, this is 1975. If I live to be a thousand years old, I will never see two point guys as, as good as these two guys. And I was right. I never did. I saw some pretty good ones. But nothing could to compare with Orr and Park on the points on the power play. Absolutely tremendous. Does Orr regret going to Chicago? Well, I think, you know, there was there's a lot more to that story than meets the eye. As you, you know, his agent did him a great disservice, lied to him, ended up going to jail uh, because of it. 
you know, for the he he was defrauded or was out of out of all kinds of of uh, of financial. I mean, you name it. He he he. Uh, you know, and and Harry took the brunt of the of the uh, of, of the, the the bad publicity, blamed it on him, and to a lesser degree to Jacobs, who owned the team. Just he just bought the team in 1975, so he was he was a new owner at that time, and when in fact they gave him a fantastic offer, and there was no doubt in my mind if he knew what the offer was, he'd have taken it and. And never left Boston, uh, but he didn't know. And uh, he found out later, and which led to you know an investigation, which led to uh, Russ Conway's famous book that he wrote about Eagleson, which led to Eagleson spending in time in jail. I mean, and he lost his you know his, his law license. He paid a mighty price for that, and it was. It was a horrible thing he did. Horrible, horrible. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, it, uh, and I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that had Owen known exactly what was uh, what was what was presented to him, it would have been no decision. He certainly didn't want to leave. I, I. Uh... I always thought Don Cherry was one of the best coaches the Bruins ever had. They never won a Stan, uh, never won a Stanley Cup. No, but I, I think as far as an ambassador to the game, and and just a guy to be around, Cherry was one of them. Absolutely. So, my question is, at why did Harry Sinden decide that Don should not be here anymore? I heard a quote. That said, that Sinden said, Cherry was bigger than the team. Well, there was, there was, there were egos involved. There's no question about that. I, I don't. I mean, I, you know, I, I wasn't there. I can't, I can't tell you for sure. Uh, my, my feeling was then, and 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 probably still is. And I said, I, I, I love Cherry dearly. Uh, that. Uh, you know, I I think I I think most coaches, not all of them, but most coaches, especially in hockey, uh, have a shelf life to them. And I think, you know, uh, Cherry had a a veteran team, and he was the perfect coach, the perfect perfect coach for that team for that. And and I think Harry felt in '79, uh, you know, there was going to be a turnover. Obviously, you know. Uh, 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 or had gone. Vitell uh, uh, gotten older. Park gotten older. I mean, there were there was there was starting to be a a a changing of the guard, if you will. And, and in fact, in '79, of course, the Bruins drafted Ray Bork, who of course turned out to be in 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 you know one of the greatest defensemen of our time. Uh, but I think I think I think. Uh, that was the feeling, and and you know there was there was there was some hard feelings there, which uh, I'm happy to report have been smoothed over, and and they're they're friendly today, Harry and 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 Don Cherry, I think. But at the time, there was uh, uh, there were I, that, this is my opinion. Again, 
I was not involved in it. I was not there, but that was sort of the impression I, I came away with at the time. But I was sad to see Cherry go. Uh, I liked him a lot. I thought he was a terrific coach. And I said, especially, but you know, they, they, they see in all sports, uh, he was the right coach at the right time for the right team. And, and I think that was, that was the Cherry story. Yeah, it's it's the old thing, the same thing with the manager of a of a baseball team. You can't make, you know, you can only do as well as the players that are given to you. Absolutely. And Cherry went to Colorado. That's right. And didn't make out so well there. No, no, short lived. And then I said he, you know, went went home to Canada. Somebody decided to put him. He was one of the great storytellers of all times. Put him on between periods of hockey night in Canada. And he was on for an awful long time, and he was he was the biggest hit in Canada for an, for many years, many many years. I can remember being at our games in Canada on a Saturday night somewhere, and being on Hockey Night in Canada, which was which was the the tantamount to Monday Night Football in the U.S. And uh, when Cherry would come on with Coach's Corner at the end of the first intermission. And all the media in the press room at the, in the first intermission would crowd around the TV to watch him. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, you didn't know what he was going to say, what it was, and how it was going to come out. And and you know, uh, in those days, Canada had they they were they had very loose regulations when it came to, I mean, some of the things that you know, he was he was very pro Canada, very anti foreign hockey players and 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 you know don he 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 didn't he he didn't hide any of his emotions whatever he whatever he thought he believed and he was so pro canada and i said so against swedish players finnish players russian players he just he did not like the russian players at the time and he would he made no bones about it and you know and and he wanted he wanted hockey to be the Canadian sport and the Canadian players. And to his everlasting credit, it didn't stop him from saying so. That's, that's the way he felt. I don't, I, mean, I don't think he held anything personal against any of those uh, foreign players. But the idea was, I, I think, again, this is me talking, that they were taking jobs from, from Canadian boys. And that's he wanted. he wanted the Canadian guys. And he was, I mean, he, he, he he had a long run in Canadian Canadian television and made himself a lot of money. Opened up he had uh, uh, opened up you know some bars and things. I mean he 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 made himself a lot of dough. He was he was uh, arguably the most uh, uh, colorful guy in all of Canada on, on in media. I mean everybody you know everybody watched him. I mean he he was appointment viewing. <laughs> Yeah, he was. I mean, I will always remember the day that I met both you and Cherry for the first time. Uh, and it was due to a connection that Cherry and I both had to uh, the hockey announcer in Rochester, as a matter of fact. And I told Bob Wilson about it, and he uh, arranged for us to meet. We had lunch at Palkari's restaurant oh, that wow. day. I, and I will never, it's one of the great days of my life. Oh, wow. You know, I remember it was the 18th of December. Oh, my 19, word. 1974. Oh, I'll my never, word. 
there was you, me, Bob, Cherry, and uh, Pat Randall from BZ yep. Radio. Yeah. Wow. Never, never forget that day. That is, uh, you've got a good memory. That that was. I I hate to break this to you, but that was not yesterday. <laughs> no, but it seems like it sometimes well, when you well, look back. Where we look, we're talking about fifty years, right? Yep, yep. But it's still, it's still. Uh, you you don't forget things like that. They played oh, the I Rangers. They played the Rangers that night. I sat up in the booth with Bob Wilson that night, and and remember it. I don't remember who won the game, but uh, you know, you're speaking a few minutes ago of of, of Canada. There were epic battles oh, with yeah. Montreal. And I, one of the things that I always used to enjoy was listening to, and I love this, Roger Doucette. Roger sing Doucette, the national yeah. anthem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was, uh, it was a special night. Uh, you know, even, uh, as you know, in, in, in Montreal, I mean, in those days, people came to the games in, in suits and ties. You know, no... Uh, no, no open shirts or whatever. It was, it was, it was the place to be, and it's, it's funny you should mention that because I was in Montreal last month, and we stayed not far from, from the old Forum, which is still up. It's not a hockey rink anymore. It's a, they've got a movie theater in there. They've got all kinds of stuff, and I took my 16 year old grandson for a walk around it. I said, I want to show you. This is where. I said, this is where Gramps saw most of the Bruins-Canadians games back in the day. And I can tell you that I can't, I can count on one hand the number of times I actually left with a W and a smile. I said, we <laughs> usually found new and creative ways to lose every month. And including, I told him, he loved this line. I said, Harry's line to the media was, year after year, uh, uh, Death, taxes, and the first penalty in Montreal. <laughs> yep, and, it's and he was generally right. Those are the, those were the three the three definites in life: death, taxes, and the first penalty in Montreal. <laughs> yep, I mean, Bob Wilson. Bob Wilson used to refer to it as fire wagon hockey. Fire wagon hockey is right. God, those were those were wonderful times. I mean, we had we had. Uh, we had such great times there with, with with the Canadians and and I can remember in 1988 we finally beat them. You know it was 40 years without beating them in the playoffs, and uh, uh, we finally beat them. God, I can remember. I remember it like it was yesterday. This is 1988, and our goaltender that night was Reggie Lumlin, and oh, he was a big cigar smoker. And I had happened to have one in my pocket. I went down. And I said, Reggie, let me be. Let me be the uh, first one to offer you this cigar and he said you got to light him i said i had to he said good let's light it up he lit it up in the locker room <laughs> uh, uh it was i mean you know not that these guys didn't know anything about 40 years ago hockey but they they knew that it'd been a long time since we beat the canadians and uh uh it was uh it was a special time a special time but i i, I did get a i did get a great kick out of Walk, I walked, we walked around the entire block of the forum and went inside and looked and obviously all different than when the hockey rink was in business, but the building is still there. Yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to talk about two things. 
one, this Bruins past season, and two, the 100th anniversary of the Boston Bruins coming up soon, which you, thank goodness, are going to be involved in. Well, I'm going to be I was, I'm going to be an invited guest, and I was honored to go. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to go, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's it's it's. Well, let me start with the let me start with this past season. I thought the management of the team, nearly Sweeney et al., and the coach again. I I, I obviously I know nearly and Sweeney as they were players when I was there, but. I don't know the coach, but all good guys. Uh, and uh, I thought they did an outstanding job of loading up for the playoffs. I mean, they they went, as we like to say in the business, they went all in. I mean, they got some great players. They they gave up draft picks. They gave up capital. They they, they gave everything to, to go all in. You know, I guess the big point was for, for Bergeron's last year. But anyway, I... I I was I was as dumbfounded as as anybody could be. I couldn't believe what happened, and uh, you know I'm not around the team. I I sit in my man cave and I watch and I still listen. I love to listen to radio games. As you know, it's my childhood. That's how I. That's how we didn't have we didn't have a hell of a lot of television to listen to. We we listen on the radio, and I love radio, so I'd be listening and watching, and. I, I couldn't believe what happened. I, I uh, you know, in the first round, no less, against what I thought was a, a against a less much less superior team than the Bruins, to lose to Florida like that was was as uh, in as I, I I mentioned to that I, I ran into Jack Edwards just the last two weeks, and I said I remember his line, which was this one is going to leave a mark. And boy, it, I can imagine it did. It was, that was, I mean, but uh, to tell you that I've never seen anything like it would be wrong because it's hockey. Things happen in hockey. I mean, you know, pucks bounce the wrong way. You hit posts, theirs go in. Pucks, I mean, things happen. It's, it's, a, it's a weird game. And, uh, uh, but I, it was right up there among the most disappointing things I've seen. And I, I said that to give the management full credit, I thought they did an outstanding job going after getting huge pieces to, to add in at the playoffs. I, I you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not a gambler. I, I, I don't bet on, I don't bet on anything, but I, I, I would have put my house on the Bruins and I'd be, I'd be, camping out in your front lawn right now if I did <laughs> uh, it was uh it was it was the shock of shocks and I I hope they can I hope they can put it behind them and come back but it's going to be a challenge I would think at least for a while and you will be at the 100th anniversary dinner and I will in a couple it's on October 12th uh I was uh honored that uh, uh that that I was invited. I have not been to a Bruins event in the 16 years I've been out. So I was really more than pleasantly surprised that I even got an invitation, but I did. And uh, I know uh, Orr will be there, Milbury will be there, and Harry will be there, and guys that I'm friendly with and guys that I like. And I'm sure I'll 
see a lot of guys that I will like. Uh, and uh, uh, so I'll very much look forward to it. And I'm sure there'll be a million stories uh, that will be will be discussed and 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 uh, oh, we'll, we'll have you back. Maybe we'll have you back after it's over. But my final question is: After being with the Bruins for so long, why did you decide to leave? Well, that's a good question. Let's put it this way, Kenny: It was a mutual decision. Uh, they had new. There were new people coming in. Uh, new general manager. Uh, you know, there was, there were, there were, there were I, I'll leave it this way. There, there were, there were new people coming in that preferred to have their own people. I got the distinct impression that, you know, and I, I told people at the time, you know, uh, there was a time in, in this world, never mind in sports and in, in, in all your business, my business, all businesses where institutional memory was, was something that was valued. Uh, uh, as time went on, I came to realize that not only was that not the case, it was sometimes viewed as a negative. And so, you know, it was, I was, I was retired, if you will. Uh, and uh, you know what? I harbored no will. I, I was not not thrilled about it, but I have no ill will. Uh, I had 34 years. That's a that, a lot of people would don't get that opportunity to spend 34 years in one job that they loved. And uh, I said, you know what, my time has come. So uh, so that was it. So uh, but I said no hard feelings. Had a great time. Wished them well, and uh, and you move on, right? What did you what did you do? Did you work or did you just decide to retire like no, me I, I during had, the fruits I of had your labor? Uh, I had a myriad of part-time jobs. I was a consultant for Comcast Sportsnet for five years. Ooh, uh, I don't like a job I, like that. I did I did I did all kinds of stuff. You name it, I did it. And <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. And then my my grandkids were born, and I became uh, a free Uber driver to uh, to both of my grandkids, picking them up, taking them here, spending a lot of time with them, and that was that was the that was the the best part of it is that I I got to be very close to them. Uh, they my my grandson was born a week before I was retired. So uh, I literally was with him from his first week on this earth, and he still, we're very close to this day. He is now a junior in high school, uh, and my granddaughter was born a couple years later, and she's now in seventh grade. And uh, uh, so I got to be, you know, much closer to them than I could have been if I was working. The one thing my my wife in particular regrets is that that uh, my Ben, I said, who is a junior in high school, 13 years, uh, 16 years old, that he never got a chance to sit with old Gramps up in the uh, ninth floor uh, or in the old press box of the garden, but especially in the ninth floor of the new building, because he would have loved it. He's a, he's a huge sports fan. He loves the Bruins. He loves, he's, he's, he, he has figured out because I'm sure he's heard me talk about it, that, you know, 
I said, when I grew up, I was a devoted sports fan of every Boston team. I didn't like one over the other. I liked, you know, I liked everyone. I followed everyone. And he has, uh, that's actually my, as I said to him, that's my best trait and you've picked it up. He, uh, he's a lot better looking than me. He's a lot smarter than me. He's I a doubt lot, that. Definitely, he's definitely a lot more athletic than me. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, well, and I get to spend time with him and now with my granddaughter. And that was, uh, that was the silver lining to all of it. So uh, we have no complaints. Well, I will tell you, they are very, very lucky to have you. Well, thank uh, you. I am, I am lucky to have you. Um, thank you. And uh, one of these days, I hope we can get together and break bread. And you know uh, we will, Kenny. We have done it before. We'll do it again. I, unfortunately, we don't have our old friend Larry Glick to join us. But never uh, heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it was, uh, it's been a pleasure. It was so great to hear from you. Uh, uh, and I enjoy the broadcast and I will continue to listen as well. And, you know, the important thing is we, we, we still have our health. We're, uh, we're getting up there in years in case you haven't noticed. But uh, yeah, I've noticed the, <laughs> the case, the, the, the case, the good thing is that we're still able to, uh, to, to talk and, and, and enjoy the, enjoy the current status and, and, and look back fondly on the past. So that's, that's absolutely something, something we, we are blessed with both of us. Nate, thank you again so much for your time and your patience. And uh, I can't tell you how great it feels to be able to renew acquaintances and to be able to talk with a guy who was one of the best in the business. Well, thank you very much. The, the feeling is mutual, Kenny. You're always one of my favorites, and I'm happy to hear you doing well and, and still keeping your hand in the radio because uh, you were the best back 50 years ago, and you're still the best today. So I wish you all <laughs> the best. I appreciate that, Nate. And that'll do it for this edition of City Talk. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.